Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got nards. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. They're all gonna laugh at you. You're listening to the Jersey Cool. Hey, everybody. I want that recipe. (laughs) I like that recipe, Jackie. (laughs) I'm sorry. I apologize for my behavior. And they don't even know what's going on unless they looked at the thumbnail and saw that we are talking about the Stepford Wives today. I like that recipe. Do-si-do. Uh, Do-si-do. 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 That one made me giggle. <laughs> uh, so, anywho, in case you haven't gathered, we're talking about Stepford. We're taking a little trip. We're taking a trip. Well, we should we should preface all this. We should preface all this. So, let's just say, happy summer, everybody. Woo! And welcome to the Jersey Ghouls Summer of Suburban Horror. That's right. We've got our swimming trunks and our flippy flappies, and we're going to sit in our inner tube and relax through the summer, and we're going to go to the burbs. We, yeah, we all summer long are going to be hitting various towns throughout this great nation and finding all of the horror within. Right, because to me, there's nothing more terrifying than the suburbs. So I think it's a beautiful theme for our summer. 1975 Stepford Wives is a no-brainer. Right. Yeah. This had to be the start of this whole series. May I give you, present my, my nickname for this series? Summer in the Burbs, colon, the nightmare of normalcy. What I did, if you'll notice, was I started jotting down all the things about the suburbs that I hate. And as you can see, I filled the page. <laughs> things like your neighbors. Like in the hood... You don't really have neighbors. Like, I grew up with just people around. It was like, they were either family or they weren't. You were either cool or you weren't. In the burbs, it's like everybody's neighborly, and it's horrifying. Swim club, I I love to hate that place. Like, it's the whitest place I've ever been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, The PTA. Okay. Um, Sports. Grocery stores. I love the grocery store. What? I love going grocery shopping. It's my jam. It's my jam. All right. Well, let's dive in. Um, so 1975, Stepford Wives. I am embarrassed to admit that this was my first time like fully watching this film. Same. Never seen it all the way through. Yeah. Which probably makes me a terrible feminist. My God, I love this movie. This movie is the first movie in a very long time that really affected me to the point where I found myself holding my breath. And it's like I didn't even realize that I was doing that. Until, like, the scene would come to an end or, like, they would transition. Yeah, it was And I'd realize that I was like, oh, okay, I was holding my breath on that one. This, this, was, this was a fantastic movie um, based on the book written by Ira Levin, who also wrote Rosemary's Bibbit. That's right. Before we dive in, you want to do a little synopsis? So in Stepford Wives, you know what? Before I do that, before I do the synopsis... Obviously, you've seen the thumbnail. We are talking about Stepford Wives 1975 and its remake, Stepford Wives 2004. Oh, sorry. Two drastically different movies, like in 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 every way, shape, and form. And yeah. you will hear 
us just talk so much shit shortly about the 2004. <laughs> but I, I, I just, I only say that because I want to preface that, that like, I'm going to give you the synopsis of the 1975, but just know the synopsis for 2004, though on the surface seems the same, is so insanely different. It makes me angry. And I think, okay. Marissa, yeah. I believe that you you harbor some anger as well. Like, it's just, just yeah. I've got some fire. I've got some fire Ooh, burning. I can't wait. Ooh, I like some fire burning. I like a little yeah. fire burning. Little Go fire burning. So, in, so, Stepford 75, a family moves from the hustle and the bustle of the big city mm-hmm. to a quiet, affluent neighborhood. And, you know, everybody is very nice. The husband instantly is accepted by all the men and goes to the men's club. And the women, well, you know, the women do what women do. And that's raise the family, stay at home, make your husband happy. And for the newcomer, Joanna, she thinks it's all a little bit weird because it's 1975 and like, what the fuck? Like, women shouldn't have to be chained to the kitchen. Like... You can have a career. You can have things outside of your husband. And she actually tries to to rally them. She finds another friend. I love their friendship. Oh, my God. I, I it thought I'm of sorry. you and me. I did. Yes, I thought I of you and I me. I really friendship. did. Um, but then, you know, slowly but surely, like, even her friend starts to go the way of all the other Stepford wives and just be the homemaker that is more concerned about cleaning her home and making everything nice for her husband. And, and it just becomes this struggle, this this power struggle of the, the woman's role and the men's role and the obvious just patriarchy down your throat. Um, and I, th- I, I think, I think I'm, I, I, to go any further, I'm just going to keep dissecting stuff. So let's, okay. let's, let's dive in. No, you that's, did the basic, you that's the basic. Um, yeah. And needless to say, it does not end well for Joanna. We could definitely dive into that. Um, First, my first most important thought, and this was definitely, I'm sure, a thought that I'm, like, late to this party, but Jesus, our 11 books are basically just fucking cautionary tales to a second-wave feminists, huh? Like, it's almost like I feel, now I feel like he literally wrote both of these films to be like, you see what happens to you broads when you get too saucy? Like, this shit's gonna happen to you. It is. And, and that's how angry I am at that. No, I had said the same exact thing once I realized that he had written this book and I knew that he had written Rosemary's Baby. And while I have not read Separate Wives, I have read Rosemary's Baby. And this movie should just be called, this movie and, and Rosemary's Baby, I said that we should just call it like Ira Levin's Guide to Gaslighting the Housewife. Because really, <laughs> that's what he, he uh, that's how oh he my writes. God, you're he not wrong. Writes, I'm so proud of you. And you know what? I not only have my Marissa pants on, yeah. I have like my Marissa camisole, my oh Marissa my blazer. Oh. I do. I have like a Marissa scrunchie in yes. my hair. I am, I am full on Pona from head to toe today. Because one of the first thoughts I had, because obviously uh, we are in the lens of 2021 watching this movie, and just looking at the comparison of 75 to 04, like how, like where where were we? Like where, what does this movie look like in 1975? You know, we're looking at women are now in the workforce a lot more. Like this isn't the 1950s where it was, you know, I instantly think of like Mad Men. Like, you know, women are not just at home being really pretty, making sure the house is kept, making sure the children are raised. If this is 1975, you know, feminism is is alive and well. We are at the forefront of, of our rights. Like, we are really trying to get the ball moving. Women are in the workforce. Women are becoming yeah, more... Yeah, I mean, we're in second you know, wave yeah, feminism. Right? Women are becoming, you know... Well, we're leaders fighting and P- for, right. uh, CEOs, we're, like we're, right. we're getting to a, a better place. That's fair. I think second wave feminism, which is what was happening in the 1970s, was really marked by, okay, now we've established that we are, you know, we're going to fight for things like equal pay and we're going to mm-hmm. fight for the right to not be home. And we're going to fight, like we were still very much fighting battles that, unfortunately, if you, in my humble opinion, I think we're still, we're fighting, still fighting today. Absolutely. But... I do think that like the, the second wave feminism was de- definitely definitely pushing back against the domesticity that the 50s and 60s really shoved down our throats. And I think again, like so much else, come the late 1960s, everything blows up 
I think having her dressed in like an almost homage to Rosie the Riveter in the opening scene was so brilliant. And I think there's so much new wave feminism in this film. Well, yeah, and this one, like, there's just so many things about Joanna's character. And, oh, I'm blanking. What's her friend's name? Bobby. Bobby, yes. So, yeah, I, I love... Bobby and Joanna, you know, Joanna comes, awesome. they, yeah, she's there, and then suddenly Bobby finds her, and now we have two kindred spirits, two women that are not wrapped up in all the concerns of what their husband are doing. I love the way they're dressed. Like, oh, I God, love how too. Bobby walks around practically naked, and she looks absolutely fantastic, has all the confidence in the world. Like, they're she's, gorgeous. Yeah. They're just, yeah, no, this was definitely like, a we, like, I'm, am I going to have a threesome with them? Like, can I go in the Wayback Machine? And find them and have a threesome because I'm here for that. Like yeah. they're just they're they're, they're absolutely delicious in this movie. Um, I just I loved. I don't even know what the word is for it. Like I just loved the contrast of how Bobby and Joanna acted as opposed to all the other Stepford wives. I love the way that Joanna was so unapologetic because. There was a scene in the movie where there's like this little gathering and all the men are there and Joanna is sitting in on the little meeting when everybody's trying to figure out what are they trying to figure out how to raise money or yeah, do some something really stupid. And thing, it's right? one of those things where, you know, all the guys are kind of looking at her and they're kind of smiling and she's not doing that thing where sometimes like you smile back because you feel like you have to. Mm -hmm. Like she's, you know, okay, you're creepy, you know. Yeah. And like when she talks to her husband, she was like they're all fucking creepy. Right. Like, well, these people are ridiculous. Right. How these can you not asses. see how ridiculous they are? Right. And it's so beautifully, it's interesting because I almost like, well, first of all, I have to say Catherine Ross did an amazing job. As yes. The way she plays her is so subtle yet so effective. The way that like, when the kids leave for school and she's obviously feeling that moment of like, well, now what the fuck do I do? And like, or like how she, at one point he makes like a sexual joke at her and she's clearly like unimpressed with him. And like, there's so many like, at one point, the gross leader guy goes, I like to watch women do chores. Like, she never does the I have to smile at him thing. Yeah. Which is what you're, to your point. Yeah. But, like, she's so underwhelmed and bored. She was never fully on board with the move to begin with. Mm -hmm. She was kind of coerced into it, which I feel like is so normative, even still yeah. today, for women uh, who wind up in the burbs. But, like, she really, she just does such a good job of being so nuanced and so subtle and even when she and Bobby create, like, the, the cute little club, like, mm -hmm. the little feminism club, they never feel militant or, like, aggressive in their, you know? And the way that they embrace Carol, the woman with the tennis court, dude, the scene where he's knocking down her tennis court, I was, like, welling up with tears of frustration for her. I thought it was so effective and so symbolically rich to have this, like, moment where you literally... This thing she loved just being destroyed. He's got this fucking shit-eating grin on his face about it. Made me want to fucking scream. Like, this film is so good at riling you up about just how unfair it is for women in domestic life. And in life in general. Especially in marriages and in motherhood. Like, and even at the end, it's funny because, at, like, at first I was like, fuck it. She should just leave. She would get the kids later. They won't hurt the kids. And I felt so guilty for having that thought. But... I then immediately was like, yeah, no, of course she's not going to leave without her kids. And they never, her motherhood is not a weakness in this film. Like, arguably she could have escaped if she didn't have the kids to worry about. Right. But no mother would leave their kids behind yeah. in that. Like, yeah. no, no. And it's never like, well, she's a mom and we're going to fucking prey upon that weakness. And I love that, like, people's houses are, like, her house is messy. And, like, you know, like, she shirks all of the bullshit that, I mean, to this day I wrestle with. Like, literally I feel guilty when I come home and the house is dirty and I guarantee fucking to you that my husband for the saint that he is and for how much he tries to create equity in in our domestic relationship he's not losing sleep over how dirty the house is never has never will I still do the lion's share of the domestic labor I still consider myself the alpha parent and so it's like that pressure and that constant like, it almost blows my mind that nothing's really changed. Listen, I'm lucky that I have a partner who is just that. He's a partner. And he will try his darndest to keep up his half of the load. But at the end of the day, pound for pound, I'm doing way more laundry. I'm doing way more dishes. I'm doing way more scrubbing. And I'm doing way more parenting, you know? Mm -hmm. And I can't help but feel like 
I understand that frustration and that like realization of like the fuck are these, these guys like you know like and I'm lucky I don't have a husband who goes running off to the golf club or like whatever whatever you know but like I don't know man it this movie was so effective and you're right it was so disturbing and upsetting in so many moments you know what else that this really made me appreciate when I watched the 2004 how pure their relationship was there was zero judgment they were, they were fucking Between ride or dies. Joanna and Bobby. Yeah, yes. like they were, because, uh, and I'll get to this in the other movie, but like, they were so good to each other. And you're yes. right, it does remind us of us. They were there to lift each other up. They were there, like they, like, you know that whole, like I felt like this movie was so, like, like you said, gaslighting the American housewife. Like, nobody believed her, nobody cared, nobody, like, and she was, Bobby and her were never, un, like, never wavered in their believing each other, they're trusting each other, they're like, let's get the fuck out of here. Like, they were such an amazing friendship on screen. What, and, and part of the reason, I mean, not only do I say that, because I also am a very tall and thin, voluptuous woman, just I like mean, Bobby. Sure, me just too. Exa- I mean, if you ever see me in person, you're going to be like, oh my God, wow, right? Um, no, so not only that... But no, honestly, like, and and this is something we've talked about on the show before. When Marissa and I met in college, we had the same friend group. But Marissa and I were the two outsiders that liked the same movies, that liked the same music, that didn't really care about running out and getting drunk or whatever. Like, we definitely drank. But, like, the whole, like, party aspect of college wasn't there. We were so much more inclined to sit in your dorm room, watch movies, smoke cigarettes, and just have conversation. So that was one of the first things that drew me to that, that there are these two, like, these two weirdos in Stepford. And I'm like, oh, that's you and me. We're the two weirdos of Stepford. Aww, we are. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved this, like, this idea of, like, there was no rhyme or reason to what these men did. P.S. I love that he worked for Disney. It was such a good, like, mm-hmm. interesting. But, like, it was like, we do this because we can. Because, and of that's, course. and to me, like, the, and uh, I may, I may be on my own on this ledge, but, like, just the white male fragility and, like, the white middle-class male's sense of entitlement and idea that they deserve, like, I, I really think so many men today would take a Stepford wife over a normal wife. You know, they may not even want to admit it to themselves or to others. Right. But, and, and I, I really, in my heart of hearts, think that my partner wouldn't feel this way, but... I don't know. He probably would love to not have my sassy mouth all the time and have me <laughs> nagging him all the time and have me like the part with the sex made me laugh so hard because no woman's really like no woman in a marriage with kids is that excited. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I I think it's hilarious that like I, I couldn't help but think and I'll pose this to you. Do men secretly all wish they had a Stepford wife? You know what? I think. I think that any rational man that would be like, that wouldn't want it. But here's the thing. From time to time, sure, it'd be fun. But I don't think that any man would want it all the time. In the same vein of, I wouldn't want a Stepford husband. Every now and then, it'd be great to have someone do everything. You know, every now and then, it'd be nice to have that dynamic in the relationship. But I don't, I, I can honestly say that for the every now and then, I wouldn't want it all the time. And I think that truly might be where, and again, I, you know, knowing your husband, knowing my boyfriend, I don't think they would want Stepford Wives. Yes, would they maybe every now and then want a, you know, one night with a Stepford Wife, like one day where he just has to sit around and do nothing and will take care of everything and agree with everything he says or whatever, but I don't think it's anything that anybody would want consistently. Anybody that's decent, anyway. I'm, I th- can think of a couple douchebags that would probably want the Stepford wife. But. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, here, here's my question. And I say this, I tried to research some for this. Like I said, oh, I, 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 I went full research? on. I, well, I, I, I tried to put on as much of a Marissa outfit as I could oh, with, yeah, yeah. without completely Buffalo billing you. you yeah, know, yeah. You know. Well, that's fair. Um, but no, so here's my question because I'm obviously watching this movie and, you know, again, with the 2021 lens and I'm, I'm like struggling with like, is this a feminist movie? Is this not a feminist movie? Because I want to say that it's a feminist movie because you see these two protagonist characters like railing against the patriarchy but they ultimately but then yeah in the end they lose now not to say that just because you don't win doesn't mean 
that the, the message wasn't there. You know, like you don't have to have your message put out there. And also, you know, no, it's yeah, not tied to the victory. The fact that they is, yeah. is what makes this film problematic. Yeah. Like, and the story problematic. It's like she, because she has the audacity to be different, she winds up having to be like literally robot stepfordized. Yeah. That's fair. That's a good question. Where yeah. did you land on that? So, so I, I ultimately landed on that I do think it's a feminist movie simply because it, kind of the mentality of, you know, you may have lost the battle. Losing the battle doesn't mean you've lost the war kind of thing, you know? Like, just because there wasn't a victory at the end doesn't mean everything that you worked for up to that point is completely lost. So, the you know, the, the, the idea that this movie is putting out, I don't think we have to dismiss it and throw away everything that Joanna tried to do just because in the end it didn't work in her favor. You know what I mean? Like that's so that's where that's where I ended up with it. That that it still does remain to me a feminist movie because of the whole first, you know, 87 minutes. Just because the last three turned out to be different than I thought it would. It doesn't discount everything that happened up to that point. Yeah, I agree. I think she's a great protagonist on screen. I think in the mid-1970s, it must have been a very empowering woman to see on screen. But at the end of the day, like, the message is, like, the cautionary tale of look what happened to the naughty feminist. Yeah. You know? And to me, that never that, that has never sat well with me about the Stepford Wives narrative. And I get that it's probably meant to be satirical. It's meant to, you know, give a positive light to feminism, and particularly second-wave feminism. But I, I, I really can't help but think that, like, the narrative has never changed of, like, a woman who doesn't want that froofy skirt and the apron and the two kids in a white picket fence is there's something wrong with her. And to me, like, this this, this story is so, I don't know, I, I just feel like it's still promoting the narrative that, like, if you don't want that and if you're not that, there's something wrong with you that needs to be fixed. Right. And as someone who's never really fit the mold, and I'll talk to this more in the... 04 version because I was very triggered um, by like this idea of like what a fucking staunchy bitch a, a 2004 woman is. But at different occasions, people kept telling her to lighten up. It was like the equivalent of being told to smile. Yeah. Like, fuck you. I don't want to smile. You don't have to smile. Like, it, it's just the oppression, the, uh, excuse me, the oppression that women still consider, like continually fight. And that we put ourselves into these domestic situations. Even, like, I consider myself such a staunch, aggressive feminist, but I still have fallen victim to the domestic trap in, in, in a lot of different weird ways. I consciously chose all of these decisions, and I'm happy with them. But sometimes the humdrum daily upkeep of this life is very exhausting. And I'm not talking about, like, the parenting or, like, the having kids or the you know, being in a marriage. I'm talking the stupid shit. Just being an adult. Just right, like, like adulting. Adult right. But again, it's like, do I regret that? No. I like that she never was portrayed as someone who regretted her life. Right. She just wasn't willing to become what they wanted her to become. And I thought that that was really beautiful. And that's something that we're totally got fucked up in the, in the new one. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I absolutely love this movie. I, I'm not sure how I land on whether or not it's a good message for women or a bad one i think it lies somewhere in between but it it makes for really good horror right because what's scarier than losing yourself and becoming a robot version of yourself um yeah i i don't know i loved this movie i was really glad we started with this and i gotta tell you it just reminds you of how dangerous the burbs really are so check <laughs> and check let's talk about that fucking dumpster fire of a 2004 movie shall we okay um i'm gonna just blanket this with, if you liked this movie, you should, turn you should really turn this off at this yeah, point because we like are this. about to trash this movie for, for I don't know, I'll I could probably do an hour. Yeah, I could do an hour, maybe an hour or two. <laughs> but yeah, if you like the movie, turn it off and subscribe and like and stars. Right, and, and remember and, how much you love us, right? Yeah. And um, opinions are just that, right? Yeah, like, I'm exactly. sure there are people out there who like this film, and that's totally fine. No, but... I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's not fine. Oh, I'm gonna call you out. Oh no! If you like this movie, you've either never seen the original, or you're just blinded by your love for Bette Midler, which I almost was. Oh yeah, she couldn't save this movie. That... Not even Bette. 
this movie, movie, Christopher Walken couldn't save this movie for me. And <laughs> I will watch one. anything that, you oh, God, I love Christopher Walken. <laughs> he, this, this is ridiculous. Christopher Walken, Glenn Close, Matt Midler, Nicole Kidman, Matthew, Matthew Broderick. This is John a, Lovitz! John <laughs> The John Lovitz. You get a little, you see your wife get a pickle tickle. <laughs> This movie was like this movie. There's this should have worked. It it, really should. We know what, but there's a very simple reason why the script. This script was an absolute abomination, and whoever wrote this movie missed the mark by seven miles. And I get that they were going for comedy. They were going for satire. They really wanted it to be like, hey. You know, and iron, irony of ironies, uh, the script is credited to Ira Levin and then Paul Rudnick, who basically didn't do... He actually did a lot of movies that were going to be super... He did. He wrote Sister Act and Adam's Family Values. So this guy has a good pedigree. Like, he then clearly can write a movie. I what mean, the hell happened? Like, uh, Sister Act 2 he wrote. Oh, man. Back in the Habit? Yeah. Devil, he, wore, he wrote Devil Wears Prada. I'm not seeing that movie. Oh, good movie. But yeah, no, he wrote a lot of good movies, so it's there's just no logical reason why this didn't work. And I tell you, you blame him. I blame Frank Oz. Because I, I think when Frank Oz comes on board and Frank Oz tells you it's going to be great, you believe. It's like the, it's the George Lucas syndrome. It really yeah. is. Where, like, people are too, it's, it's Frank Oz, so nobody's going to tell him that yeah. he shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to actively dislike anything that Frank Oz does, but... Stepford Wives 2004. Right, you don't step two. It it like I said, it missed the mark. It so this one. So obviously it's 2004. So they're going to portray this movie as 2004z as they possibly can, where Joanna is now this ridiculously uh, motivated and unwavering, powerful CEO. She is you know head of the network, and she gets fired. And has a complete and utter breakdown. Well, she doesn't just get fired. She gets shot at well, by yes. a disgruntled... Because the victim yeah. blaming of her in the first 10 minutes of the movie made me want to fucking scream. It's, yeah, she, she ends up getting fired. She has a nervous breakdown. And then her and her family move to Stepford to kind of get out of the city. Let's kind of hit the reset button on life. And... I mean, yeah, the theme, like the the plot is kind of the same where yeah, there are these, parallels you know, there are these homemaker wives that just love to be homemakers and just be concerned for their husband. The men's association is there. Um, and it's the Stepford Wives. You know the Stepford Wives. But. There's a big but. There's a huge but in this one. They, I, one of my first notes is this movie is so pandering to women. Like this and, movie, but ineffectively. This, this like, movie is actually more insulting to us it, yes. than anything I've seen in the past. And we have watched some really aggressively <laughs> insulting horror movies yes. for lulls. <clears throat> like I watched Terrifier last week, and I take Terrifier as treatment of women. Literally, I'd rather hang out with Art the Clown <laughs> than whoever thought this was a progressive way to treat women. That's yeah, how this... aggressively non non-feminist this film really wound up being and you know what so they're trying to update it for 2004 we have added a uh gay couple so we Which have it was just the worst stereotypical 2004 yeah. and it was such queer baiting and it was such problematic portrayal of gay homosexuality like this insulting idea that flamboyancy or like being who you are is somehow wrong oh god i don't know if i feel like the only way i could be more offended by this film is if i was a uh, like a woman and also identified as lgbtq because i swear to god it was the most horrifying portrayal and, and one of the things that really bothered me as well was if we're going to update this and make this the 2004 version i had a thought and then bet midler's character said it where are the African-Americans? Where are the Asian-Americans? I think she was like, where are the Latinos? Right, and how dare she be such a bitch, right? I know. Like, but that was the problem. It's that's like, a thought I had. Oh, my God. So, no, 100%. Yeah. It's such a white, yeah. It really like, You know what? If we're going to portray the worst part of the patriarchy, white, middle, and upper class men really is okay with me. Because you know what? A black couple would be like, fuck this noise and leave. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, it, just, it just really, I mean, there were so many things here that, that, you know, so obviously most people 
before this, you know, when this movie came out, you know what a Stepford wife is. You know the whole concept. Right. I even still, if you've never yeah, seen the even movie. Even if you've never seen the movie, you know it. I still think they, like, quote unquote, gave away the whole plot twist way too early in this movie. You know, ro- the remote control thing. And again, obviously, we all know this effort wise, but I still think that, like, they blew their load on that one in, like, the first half hour. You know, like, the, there was no subtle nuance to this movie. It was like, hey, Stepford Wives, blah, blah, blah. Also, like, okay, I get it, like, in the original Stepford Wives, like, the, the robot killed the actual living person and then took over. In this movie, they were trying to like say that it's not them, robots. Know. It's you get these nano chips in your head, and but if that's the case, why was there like a clone of Nicole Kidman when when she was gonna <laughs> like it made no sense. No, like they, there's no sense. point for that, and you obviously did that like for the fucking trailer because it's step for. <sighs> you good? You good over there? You good? You worked up? They have children in this movie. You know, Joanna and her husband have children. One thing I did like is Nicole Kidman's character is named Joanna Eberhardt, which was Catherine Ross' character's name in the original movie. And I like that, obviously, she has kept her maiden name because her her husband is Walter Cresby or something. There are tiny things that I did like. But anyway, so they have these two children. And in the first movie... They really did establish the family. Like, Joanna and Bobby, like, oh, can you watch my kids? No problem. I'm going to watch your kids. Like, the kids played together. Like, the idea of family was very, very prevalent in the first movie. In this one, it was like, oh, yeah, they had kids. And, like, the kids would be in a scene, and then they weren't, like... Joanna never seemed motherly to me. Um, she, it's very obvious that the children were probably raised by nannies, like with her out being super successful. I mean, Matthew Broderick's character says like, you know, you were never home. You're always at the office. You're always doing this. Well, I think there's a danger. You have to be careful not to blame her for that though. Like, because the, that's the assumption, right? Like, oh, you're a shitty mom because you care more about your career than your kids. Like at the beginning when he's like, the kids drew you a picture. It's literally a picture of her getting shot. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. But, like, at the end of the day, like, the entire film kind of hinges on this idea that she is wrong for being the way she is. Not all women are maternal, which is fine. Maybe you don't have kids if you're not going to be. Yeah. But, like, I think you have to be careful there because, really, it's like Matthew Broderick blames her for not being a doting, stay-at-home, like, make-cupcakes kind of mother. He fucking shames her for her wardrobe. He makes her change how she dresses, and she does, and it breaks my heart. Yeah. He literally says, if you don't change, I'm going to leave. I'd be like, okay, bye. Like, I'm sorry. The fact that I wear the pants, the fact that I wear more, make more money, the fact that I am not, like, this typical doting mother figure should not be reason for, to be shamed, gaslit, or fucking forced to change. And she does... That's why the whole twist of them working together at the end to beat the Stepford evil doesn't work because he's a fucking prick throughout the entire movie. And you know why else it super doesn't work? Because he planned this all along. So hear hear me out. Remember I told you I had a theory? Yeah. So here's my theory. None of this was happenstance. Long before Joanna got fired, he, he did it all on purpose. And here's why I say that. Because when Joanna... So, oh, here's here's a plot point of, of this, this, this Stepford Wives. Joanna starts to do research and finds out that all of these Stepford Wives were all once high-powered all high-powered women. Judges, CEOs, highly educated, masters of their field. And they've all been lobotomized. So my theory is Matthew Broderick's character found out about this purposely made sure he worked at the same company she did made sure that she would get fired you know she ha- he knows that she's going to have a breakdown because he knows that her work is her whole life he purposely chooses all this because how else would you just so coincidentally come to this town where all of these powerful ceo women were also no, I yeah, 100% you know? think he, The yeah. fact that when it is revealed to him that these women are like that. Yeah, he's fine with He's that. like, oh, she gives singles. Like, it's there's no surprise there. He 100% knows what's going on. And what I hate about this movie but love about the first one is it is very apparent that in the first movie, 
her husband had no idea because there's one of those nights where he comes home from the men's club and it's obvious he's been told what's up. And in this one, Walter in 2004 he 100 exactly percent knew what he was doing. And he we're has supposed to put make this him a hero. Line. He's a real man. Why? Because he fucking chickened out at the last fucking second when they yeah. went down there together. Stop it! Like, give me a fucking break. Yeah, bro. no, there's like, there's no it just doesn't work. It, it doesn't does not. It work. doesn't. And he, nothing in this film works no. though. Even the relationship between okay, so Bette Midler, queen of queens, is in this film. She's supposed to be like the boss. She's Bobby. She's Bobby. And. The, she does a great like I mean to be fair if there's anybody who could chew a fucking scene it's like it's fucking Bette Midler she's a, a queen but she literally I mean they are so the three so the two of them befriend the gay man the three of them are so fucking shitty to each other and like I refuse to think that this is just how modern friendship works because you and I are not like this with each other mm-hmm. they are catty they are judgy they secretly say shitty things like when they walk into her house and they're like ugh like no a good friend would be like oh my god girl this is fucking what is happening here are you good and yeah. then that's it not judge for it well, like Nicole Ka- her character even says that her character says like you know if you saw somebody like that needed help in New York City would you help them and they were like no no like right. this is supposed to be right? modern city people these people don't give a fuck they're, about they each are, other right, they're cold, you know right but like the other thing that like makes me mad is like they make the men out to be such fucking tool bags and such like douchey little shits which is fine because they obviously are but like can we talk about the punishment the men get at the end of the film i have a note about that because i find it fascinating that the men's punishment is to go grocery shopping like what yeah like well i'm sorry why first of all why is that their punishment like so what you're you're gonna do to them what they tried to do to us i said i said dominant switches from one gender to the another so how does that make it any right that's not the answer right no No, yes good oh you did have your mercy i did have my well and you know what it made me think of they did the same exact thing in the wicker man from the original wicker man to the remake in the remake it became about this dominant Woman's yeah, like we're colony, yeah, and like yeah, we're gonna punish you, know. and it's like that's what's not the a whole good yeah, like what's the whole fucking point? You're just doing to to them what they did to us, and trust me, I'm here for some revenge. Absolutely, but the ultimate goal is fucking equality. Right. Like we don't want to see one no, master yeah. the other, and and the danger of presenting that as a goal is so poignant. And like, so okay, so 2004. This is third wave feminism. This is really the tail end of the feminism that I can oversimplify by calling it like the riot girl feminism, right? This is when we really pushed back about what our gender should look like, what our identities women needed to be, whether or not we could, you know, really push back against the patriarchal, you know, society of have kids, move to the burbs, blah, 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 right? They had so much good shit to work with, so much canon in third wave feminism. And instead, they basically try to propose that being an uptight fucking powerful woman who likes to wear black and doesn't like to wear like skirts is you're you're like it was to me it was like oh the, those nasty women like it was such a put to me it was such a like everything that trump and people who have that mindset literally think we're all monsters like nicole kidman's character at the beginning mm-hmm. and that we're we're really just fragile because we really don't we can't possibly keep up the high demands of the and like okay if you're gonna have a nervous breakdown, cool. Please don't shame her for that. Yeah. That was the other thing. She got victim blamed at every fucking turn of this movie. Whether it was, oh well, she deserved to be shot because she put that show on the air, or oh well, she deserved her nervous breakdown because she, her career was too important to her, or oh, she deserved to be stepfordized because she was a fucking callous bitch. Like every, it made me sick to my stomach. And then to be like, hey, it's okay that we're totally insulting a certain type of woman. Because Glenn Close is the, the villain. Yeah, so that that is the twist. Obviously, Ugh. since we all know what the whole Stepford Wives thing is about, in 2004, the twist is it's actually not the brainchild of Christopher Walken's character. He actually turns out to robot. be a Stepford husband, and Glenn Close, she's actually the mastermind. The bird, right? She, because she wants... She wants simpler times. She wants it to be like it was in the 50s when, you know, oppression, right, like rampant racism, right, right. And, you know. The good old it's, days. It's illegal to be a homosexual. Like, you know, the yeah, fun make times. America great again, Jackie. Come on. Um, but yeah, no, that's the twist of this movie is it turns yeah. out to be 
Glenn Close's character. When she, Nicole Kidman's character, looked at Matthew Broderick and said, because he's a real man, I threw up in my mouth and I had to swallow it back down. Because I know that's how that's how I'm being that descriptive because that's how much I want you to know how much I hated it. Because literally, to say that the man who gaslit you was not really there for you, secretly harbored resentment against you for being taller, being a better dancer, being like being yeah. like a, a successful woman, shamed you about your parenting, shamed you about your fucking wardrobe, was gonna fucking turn you into a lobotomized version of yourself. He has a turn of heart, and you're like, well. That's a real man for you. Like, nah, bitch. A real man would have been like, let's get the fuck out of here because shit is fucking whack. Yeah. You know? Like, that's a real man. And and it, it drives me nuts how little he has to be and do to be the hero of the story. Because basically he is. He's the one who goes into the basement and breaks everything. He's the one who, quote, unquote, let her live. And mm-hmm. I put air quotes around that because fuck that. She should have just fucking stomped his little fucking shitty ass. Also, Matthew Roderick is not. I like him. He's not attractive to me. How he ever lands Nicole Kidman in real life is like, how did Tom Cruise land her though? I guess, I mean, the world will never know. We'll never know. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, the fact that he's portrayed as like the hero of the story literally makes me vomit in my own mouth. <laughs> I also have a problem with how... <sighs> so in the first one, you know, Joanna is confronted by robot Joanna. And it's very obvious that, you know, at this point she feels very defeated, but there is some fight left in her. And then you see Robot Joanna go after her and ultimately Robot Joanna wins. But in this one, like Nicole Kidman just straight up gives up. She does. She does. She just, there's no fight in her. She gives up. And character that she had, yeah, why wasn't she going down without a fight? She just willingly walked up and was like, Okay, let's go down and do this together. Okay. I love your gaslighting metaphor because truly she really gets to the point where she's completely defeated by all of it. Mm-hmm. And and that makes me so sad that the woman, you know, 25 years later is just so easily defeated. Whereas the woman in 1975 at least didn't go down. She went down swinging. Yeah. And again, I can't help but wonder what was going through the minds of everybody making this film. Oz is an amazing puppeteer, right? Like that's his thing. And director, I'm pretty sure he's the, he did, He um, did all of, like, the, the cartoon Papatunas we loved as a kid. Return to Oz. Yeah, he You did know how I feel about Return to Oz. I know, but it's like, I, I was looking at his directing pedigree, and it's not, it's all cartoons and puppet stuff. It's not even, like, the directing of the film is necessarily problematic. I don't think there's, I'm not like, well, they should have directed, you know, Bette Midler better in this scene. You don't direct Bette Midler. You give her a fucking stage and you let her perform. Yes. But... It's it yeah you're right it's it's the script it's the script yeah, and, and it's the attempt at satire that really just makes no. everything so much worse and yeah. I just I I keep going back to this was all obviously very planned you know like if they have you know she loses her job at the network and in solidarity he quits with her I know which is such bullshit and obviously he has been saving money because you now have two unemployed people living in that neighborhood right. like. How, so, again, like, there's just so many signs that point to this was all a very, very, like, this was the long game. He yeah. has been planning this forever. I think so, too. I think it was, I kept waiting for them to be like, oh, he didn't really, like, he didn't really quit the job. He got fired or some shit like that, yeah. you know? like No, I, to me, he's just been planning this for a long time. He's been planning this. He's been saving money. And he just had to pull a couple strings to, to get everything, you know, get the ball rolling and then it's just, I don't know. It, to, and to me, that is such a different message, such a different movie. Like, it, it makes me mad that you have attached the, the phrase Stepford Wives to, to your rubbish. movie. Yeah. And I have to say the one thought I, I had, this was a moment where I was like, oh, I have to check my privilege as a woman. Because I bet you this, this film and this concept that men just want us to be beautiful and big boobied and subservient and domestic and docile is so insulting to the modern man you know mm-hmm. and i think even worse so in the mo- like the new one than in the old one because in the old one it's like all right at least it's the 1970s where it's still pretty normative for like you know the the trope of the move to the burbs get the white picket fence get the dog get the whatever in 2004 there's no excuse for that shit just like there's no excuse for that shit now I would like to believe that a well-evolved man today would be like, I don't want that. Like, what? It's insulting to good men 
for that to be the representation of who they are and what they want in a spouse or a partner. And I, I'm with you. Like, I don't think our our significant others would ever want that out of us. Mm-mm. And even if, like, Matt could make me 20, you know, 25 pounds skinnier and make my boobs bigger and whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, I don't know that he would trade just like I wouldn't trade him for anything. He right. wouldn't trade me for anything. And so it's got to be insulting as a male to be like, well, fuck, man, I'm not like these people. But the thing that kind of haunted me the most, this is where, to me, the real horror of these movies came in. Is that, and maybe I'm just cynical, but I think pound for pound, there's still tons of men out there who have learned to not say it out loud, but still absolutely crave this. Yes. And when they don't get it in their marriages and their relationships, they exert whatever powers they can because they have such fucking frail white male egos. Yeah. That, and they expect to be served. They expect the woman. Like, I'm sorry, but I still think we live in a society where the woman is expected to do most of the work when it comes to the household and the children and the, you know, the daily upkeep of adulting. Yes. And, and I don't know, am I, am I wrong? No, I don't think you are. I mean, that's what we see portrayed in movies and television. We see it all around. Like it's still the most, it's so normative when you watch the sitcoms. You know, it's still the stay-at-home mom. mom, Or even if they're both working, she's still the one cooking dinner while the husband's sitting there, you know, watching TV or whatever it is. I mean, in this movie, you know, and maybe it's part of the satire and I'm just getting too worked up. But the idea that the beauty standard is, you know, for any woman, if you identify as a woman and you are not tall, blonde, big boobs, stay-at-home mom domestic, keep right. the man happy. Make good brownies. Yeah, fake like your you, orgasm, right? you know, and, and not to say that there are not, you know, beautiful women that are that. But and like are that's, happy in domesticity. Yeah. Like but if, that's, like, the, that, the, that's the standard. Like I said, you know, there, I am, you know, five foot four, I weigh way too much for my, my height, <laughs> brown hair. I've been a blonde. I was a blonde once for a short period of time, but only because my colors were fading. I don't like me as a blonde. I think I look terrible as a blonde. I know that Chad would not be happy if I were, he has told me, he doesn't like what I do, all the colorful hair. He likes dark hair on me. And quite frankly, I also like dark hair. Now I wish it was like dark green or dark blue, but corporate world, so you know. Um, But like, yeah, like the whole blonde thing, like it would never fly on me. Like it really would. Looking at it with the 2021 lens, Women come in all shapes and sizes. Oh, you know, identifying as a woman regardless of, you know, assigned birth gender. Yeah, J.K. Rowling, you listening? Not to say that this movie is the only thing being guilty of ridiculous beauty standards. I think that's, you know, obviously still very rampant in Hollywood that the ridiculous beauty standard is is something that we're not going to get away from anytime soon. Listen, there's another side to this coin, right? Like, I, again, my privilege as, as a somewhat chubby, you know, brunette, with a mediocre at best overall appearance and i'm giving i'm selling myself high here is maybe there's a privilege to that because i don't know what it's like to be the gorgeous bombshell who walks into the room and is the most gorgeous thing in there it's like it always makes me think of the ani defranco song where like being the prettiest girl in the room isn't easier either like i am sure that there are so many fucking horrifying things that come with being the most gorgeous girl in the room Mm -hmm. i also think that there are plenty of women today who do choose to be stay-at-home moms and make brownies and wear pink cute aprons and who probably are made to feel like that is wrong and i'm not okay with that either yeah because it's the same thing you said we don't want dominance we don't want to be better we just want to be equal if a girl if a woman wants to stay home with her children if a woman wants to stay home and be domestic and that brings her her fulfillment and all that nobody gets to tell her that's wrong yeah and Listen, I wasn't a stay-at-home mom for four years because I was like, this is the most fulfilling thing in my life. I was a stay-at-home mom because our fucking healthcare and fucking child rearing in this country fucking blows. And my paycheck physically would not cover the cost of daycare for two children. It was awesome. I fucking loved those years. I sometimes wish I could go back and relive them just because I get to just fucking be with my kids all the time. But I also wanted to pull my fucking hair out at times too. Mm. It is not easy. It was the hardest job I probably ever had having two babies at the same time by myself in a house all the time. And I also will say that like people treat you differently when you're a stay-at-home mom. Like they kind of look oh, down yeah. on you and they shame you. And other women in my life who were like career oriented were like, Ugh. like it's like, you know, you have this battle between, well, I'm a working mom 
versus I'm a stay-at-home mom. Yeah, we need and to, who's, like, And who's it. more of a mom? Like, you somehow become yeah, less I'm of a mother. Yeah, the of the moms, right? you, you know, you're a less of a mother because you've gone to work and you're abandoning your children. Mm-hmm. Or Which you're, is a constant you're, guilt. Or you're, yeah, or you're less of, you know, a woman because you should be able to balance home and work. And what's yeah. wrong with you that you're staying yeah. home? And you then, can't win either way. That's, to me, like, that's the moral of the story for women. In both of these films, yeah. we can't fucking win. Yeah. And this society is set up for us to fail. And you're right. Whether you're the stay-at-home mom, whether you're the working mom, whether you're the beautiful mom, whether you're the pug-ugly one, it don't matter. I'm the pug-ugly one in that story. <laughs> it don't matter because you're going to get shit on. And I think, unfortunately, society, the patriarchy, and men, some men, are still going to try to oppress us. Yeah. All of our society in this country is set up to stroke the fragile white male ego, and I am fucking done with it. Yeah. It's a, it's an ongoing battle. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. The, you that's know, my it's... summertime in the burbs, Jackie. <sighs> it ain't easy. I've lived in the burbs my whole entire life, so I don't have the... I don't don't have the hatred for them. Like, you know, I I, truly, two of my favorite, like, things that I do, and it's like, it's my me time stuff, is mowing the lawn and going grocery shopping. Adorable. Because, you know, that's when I throw in the earbuds (laughs) and I have, like, now you got music. your fancy wireless one. I do have my fancy wireless <laughs> one now. I have, you know, music or a podcast or an audiobook playing. And I can zone out. Like when I'm mowing the lawn, I can zone out. I'm getting a little bit of a tan, getting a little bit of exercise. There's like that little satisfying OCD thing in me where I get to watch the lawn just like with every pass, the, the, the lawn gets nicer and nicer. Just the satisfaction of checking the things off my list. I, I like I like the burbs. Like I said, it's all I know. It's all I know. I'm sure that if I was pressed, I could name five things that I don't like about the city. I'm going to reserve my thoughts because I feel like we have a long summer in the burbs. We're here now. Yeah. We took a lease for the whole summer. (laughs) We're living our best lives here right smack in the middle of hell. And you will mow the lawn and I will lock the doors. And we will, and I will explain more about why the the nightmare of normalcy scares me as badly as it does in our next episode that sounds good so yeah so that will wrap it up and we hope you have enjoyed our conversation on the stepper wives no so let us know have you guys seen both of them what are your thoughts on the remake please hate it as much as we do and comment below that's okay too it's not okay Okay. so i'm gonna shame you for that (laughs) i won't shame you for anything else i am here for you and i support you in so many other ways I cannot support you liking the new Stepford Wives. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Don't forget to check us out on social media. Just search Jersey Ghouls. You'll find us there. You'll find us on your favorite podcast app. Head over to jerseyghouls.com to find all of our content. We will have everything linked in the show notes. Uh, Show us some love because we love you. And guys, it's the summertime. So let's crack open a cold one. Let's put... Uh, some burgers and dogs. Yep. Let's get some good tunes. Get the sparklers out. Yeah. Put on your sunscreen, maybe a little mosquito repellent. Please do. Yeah, if you need yep. some off, I've got some. Marissa's got oh, the sun. Absolutely. She's got the sunscreen. I got the off. Guys, let's dive into the summer of suburban horror. Nice. Oh. Hello. Bye bye. Hello. Good job, bitch. You doing a good job, bitch. You doing a good job, bitch. You doing a good job. Fuck that laundry. Fuck that dish. Take a break and shake that shit. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.